Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and welcome to episode six of the Fantasy NFL Today podcast. Welcome to episode six. I'm super excited to get this episode rolling with all of you. In episode six, we are going to finish the NFL veterans that had lost value thanks to the NFL draft. This will be the last episode in which I cover solely this topic. If you haven't already, make sure you're listening to episodes five and episodes four to get a full description on the NFL veterans that lost value thanks to the NFL draft. As always, I'm going to start my episode with going over a few Twitter things. Today, I only have one thing that I kind of want to go over. And this one thing is kind of a rabbit hole that I've kind of jumped into. And I came out enlightened. I came out a better person, (laughs) I believe, from this rabbit hole. And this rabbit hole begins and ends with the Detroit Lions. So on last episode, I talked about Amon St. Brown and his upside for the year 2022 fantasy purposes that is and i came to the conclusion because they drafted jameson williams that amon st brown lost value not a ton of value i said it in last episode i don't think he lost a ton of value but he did lose a tad of value so being the type of person that i am i needed to get validation from my listeners that they would agree with amon st brown losing value now On Twitter, as I mentioned last episode, I was getting kind of crushed when I stated that I believe he lost value. People were saying things like, no, it just opens a field for Amon St. Brown. No, Jameson Williams is going to be hurt all year long. But I needed to know. I wanted to get a poll. I wanted to get percentages because the guys that I was hearing from on Twitter may just want to start an argument. I don't know. But the question I stated was, Does the drafting of Jameson Williams by Detroit hurt Amon St. Brown's value? Just a tad in PPR scoring. 67% to 33%. 67% agree with yours truly. Me. I do believe, and I fully heartedly believe, Jameson Williams hurts Amon St. Brown. But my good friend, Ren, um, who is a writer for sportsethos.com, who's going to be working with me a lot this football season. He'll even be on a few episodes, actually a lot of episodes moving forward, especially once our rankings drop, and I'll have more on that in a little while. He commented on this, on this post, and he said, I expect Jamison to miss the first half of the season and the Lions to take it slow with him when he does come back. Year one, no. Year two, assuming both guys are fully healthy, I think Jamison takes over as a top dog and target hog. I've really loved this point by Ren because he makes a valid prediction, right? He says that Jamison Williams, who is coming off of an ACL injury, will miss at least half of the season. And when he is brought back, he'll be brought back slowly. So I wanted to know more, more of Ren's thinking in terms of, okay, well, what happens if Jamison Williams is going to be healthy to start the season what happens if he doesn't miss any time at all um and the reason why i asked that is because i have read multiple reports stating that he is aiming for training camp now that's an extreme turnaround for an acl injury that happened in january 
Um, but all reports are pointing that he should be ready to rock and roll come training camp. So if that's the case, he's obviously going to be back week one. So I asked Ren. So I asked him, I said, hey, what do you think about Amon St. Brown's value if Jameson William plays? And he responded with plays starting week one. And he responded is, um, I expect the Lions to feed Jameson if that's the case. Remember, he was regarded as one of the top wide receivers in the draft before his ACL injuries. The Lions wouldn't have traded up for him if they didn't believe in his talent. I just hope their next QB can support both. He says a lot in a little there. I fully, fully, fully agree with him. The Lions moved up for a reason. The Lions, the Lions loved Jamison Williams, and they moved up to get him. They didn't fear this ACL injury. They knew he was going to bounce back. I don't think they knew how quickly he was going to bounce back. And if they did, man, that's kudos to their scout team. But he also mentions, mentions I just hope their next QB can support both. So that brought me down rabbit hole number 1700, 6066 with this topic. And I began to wonder, I began to search. Is, are the Rams offense going to be, is it going to be good this year? Like, are, are we looking at a potentially that very good offense in the Detroit Lions. I, I sat down and I thought about it and I looked at it and, you know, obviously Jared Goff is the quarterback, but what type of weapons did they put around Jared Goff? Obviously, Amon St. Brown and obviously Jamison Williams, but they have Swift in the backfield, Hawkinson at tight end. So right there, you have four really, really good players, not just in fantasy purposes, in real life purposes, right? Swift is in my top 10 of my PPR rankings this year. St. Brown's in my top 30. Williams, who could probably potentially get higher as we get through training camp and he shows that he's healthy, ranks in my like 65 range. And Hawkinson is a top 10 tight end for everybody's ranking. Those are some really good weapons. And I found a hidden gem on that roster. Is it just me? Did, did I, was I living under a rock in March? I mean, I may have been, but does anybody, did anybody else miss that the Detroit Lions signed DJ Chark? They signed him in March. We do realize that DJ Chark was a pro bowler in 2019, right? And we do realize that he hasn't played a full season in his entire NFL career. But with that being said, we do realize, and I'll say it again, he was a pro bowler who has pro bowler upside. You put him alongside Jamison Williams and Amon St. Brown. That's a pretty lethal wide receiver core with Hawkinson at tight end and Swift in the backfield. I mean, the more I think about it, the more research I did, the Lions offense in real life is going to be not bad. I, I think the Lions are, and the offense are going to be pretty good this year. I love those weapons. I really do. So the question, and it's a question as old as time, is Jared Goff going to be good enough to drive the team? Is he good enough to be the bus driver and make sure that he's leading this team on offense? Well, let's look back at Jared Goff's career. Jared Goff was a pro bowler in 2016 and 2017. So what does that tell me? Given talent around him, Jared Goff is capable of putting up Pro Bowler numbers. Do I think he's putting up Pro Bowl numbers this year? Absolutely not. But, but do I think 
he has a skill set for the offense of Detroit to be successful this year? 100%. Detroit offense is sneaky good. I am not drafting Jared Goff. I'm not saying that I'm drafting Jared Goff in fantasy football this year, but I do think he is good enough to make this Lions offense very potent this year. But what scares me in terms of fantasy is there's a lot of mouths to feed. And when there's a lot of mouths to feed, every mouth is parched. Every mouth is not fed the way that you would like them to be fed for fantasy football purposes. And once again, I'm wrapping back around. I'm on St. Brown, lost value, thanks to the NFL draft. Before we get rocking and rolling, and I continue with episode six and give you three more veterans that lost value thanks to the NFL draft, I have some breaking news. Sportsethos.com will have a NFL slash fantasy football portion of the website within a couple of weeks. We have been grinding behind the scene. Our writers have been typing away, fingers bleeding, eyes bleeding from looking at the screen for so long, doing all that research. My fingers are bleeding. My eyes are bleeding. I've been doing a ton of research because I want to, on launch, make sure that I have my player rankings, my first, of course, player rankings. These are going to change as we get closer to the season for PPR and Standard League. So I urge you to continue to listen to my podcast because I will be announcing the exact release date once we get a little bit closer, but it's just around the corner. Without further ado, let's get rocking and rolling. The first veteran that I believe lost value thanks to the NFL draft. And of course, this is episode three of this. So this is not the first guy I'm talking about. If you haven't listened to episodes four and five, make sure you go back and listen. But the first guy in today's episode shouldn't be, shouldn't be a shock. This guy is Elijah Moore for the New York Jets. Did you know Elijah Moore was ranked wide receiver two in fantasy football in the last six games that he played before he was tagged with the COVID? and he had to sit out for the remainder of the year. Wide receiver two in the last six games he played. If he would have continued to play that season, he would have finished fifth overall in fantasy football for wide receivers. Fifth. He was averaging 16.1 points per game. That is wild. I knew Elijah Moore had a good run there, but I didn't. I had to go back and do some research. That's amazing. Fifth overall, Elijah Moore. Sheesh. But before the NFL draft, Moore had about an average draft position of 5.5, so middle of the fifth round. But thanks to the NFL draft and thanks for the New York Jets for drafting Garrett Wilson, who, in my opinion, was a fantastic draft pick for the Jets. I am not saying it's a bad pick, but it hurts Elijah Moore owners because Garrett Wilson is going to immediately slide into the wide receiver one role for New York, which means Elijah Moore is now relegated to wide receiver two. The issue here is not in real life. Elijah Moore is going to be a very talented wide receiver for many years to come. 
But with that being said, targets per game may be an issue for more. Not just because of Garrett Wilson, but just because the Jets are going to want to pound the rock with their two-headed monster. They drafted the best running back in the draft, and they also have Michael Carter coming back next year, who is very good running back himself. The Jets want to run the ball. They want to protect their quarterback. They want Wilson to grow. They want him to learn. They want, they want him to grow relationships with his receivers. They're not just going to drop him back 50, 60 times a game. They're going to pound the heck out of the ball. So as far as Elijah Moore is concerned, we really need to keep our eyes on the Jets minicamp. Not just for Moore's outlook, but for the running back's outlook, for Garrett Wilson's outlook, for that offense in general. This offense has potential. But just like the Detroit Lions, you can't feed them all. So currently, after the uh, NFL draft, I have Elijah Moore ranked as my 35th wide receiver. He's sitting around guys in the rankings such as Juju and Mike Williams. I've really, like I said, loved this Jets offense because they added two amazing weapons in, in Garrett Wilson and Brees Hall. But again, my concern is can they feed all of these players? Training camp is going to be extremely telling. Stay tuned. Folks, there is no such thing as a fantasy offseason, only the pre-draft season. And here at Sports Ethos, the pre-draft season has already begun. Our expert analysis are churning out important lessons learned and draft analysis on incoming rookies so you can get a jump on your prep and we'll have incredible free agency and a summer league coverage as well. But only if you're part of our premium member team. Head to sportsethos.com now and click on the premium tab to grab a fantasy pass today. Seriously, just cook yourself one extra lunch per month because this deal is only $5.99. I'll see you there. It's the return of the Mac. It's the return. Of <laughs> hey, listen, if you don't like my singing, I apologize. I'm sorry, but I'm not sorry. Okay. This is, this is something that I find extreme joy in. All right. So get over it. All right. I'm going to keep, keep on singing. But the next guy, okay, as I just referenced in Return of the Mac is Marlon Mack. I always liked Marlon Mack. I think he was a very good change of pace back for the Indianapolis Colts, but he tore his Achilles last year. So he only played in one game. However, overall, Mack is an extremely productive running back throughout his career. He's actually averaging 4.5 yards per carry in two of his healthy three NFL seasons. I honestly thought, because I love Mac, I, I don't know why, I just, I just always just liked watching this guy play. I thought this was his chance. I thought by signing with the Houston Texans, the Houston Texans were just going to pack it in, not really worry about their run game too much. I thought they were going to really concentrate on the trenches, which they sort of did in the NFL draft, but I thought this was Marlon Mack's chance to show that he could possibly be a three-down back in the NFL. Or if not a three-down back, you know, a RB1 in the NFL. Houston Texans had the worst running season of their franchise last year. Let's put it this way. Rex Burkhead 
was their leading rusher in the season with 400 yards. <laughs> As a team, they averaged 3.2 yards per carry. That is horrendous. Horrendous. However, the Texans decided that they were going to sign Mac as a prove it. You know, I'll give you a year, $2 million. You prove it to me. We'll give you a longer contract. But he's no longer the Lone Ranger in Houston like I thought he was going to be. Texans drafted running back Damian Pierce out of the University of Florida. Damian Pierce is not a Marlon Mack. Damian Pierce is very tough. He's a grown man. He, grow, he runs like a grown man would run. He's not fast, 4.6140, but he runs with a little bit of burst and extreme weight room power. He's the type of guy that decides, I'm just going to grab the ball, go straight. He's an ISO type of runner. Take one step, get upfield. Mac is not that guy. He's a change of pace back. So unfortunately, what I can see as an outcome for Marlon Mack is, is RB1 splitting time eventually, not right away, with Damian Pierce, who's the power back. So again, Mack can find himself in that change of back role. Houston will not be good. <laughs> Let's be serious. Houston is not a good football team. And they're going to need to get a better roster moving forward. So they are going to be blown out of many games. So they have no commitment at all to Marlon Mack. But with that being said, if Marlon Mack shows that he can, because he's going to get the first shot. There's no doubt about it. He's definitely going to get the first shot. So if he can show that he is a good running back and worth re-signing for the Houston Texans, I believe they give him a larger role. But Pierce is going to be a sore, a sore in his behind. Okay? So... Let's watch. Let's see how this unfolds. But Marlon Mack, for sure, without a doubt, lost some fantasy upside thanks to the drafting of Damian Pierce. The next guy or couple of guys on my list are going to catch me a lot of slack, meaning this is the type of thing where I send out a tweet I haven't done it yet on these guys, but I'd send out a tweet. And because I fear of what's coming back, I'll turn my phone off for like 10 minutes. This is one of those takes. But I strongly stand by it and I strongly believe it. So the next guy or guys on this list of veterans that lost value thanks to the NFL draft didn't actually lose value in the NFL draft. They lost value via trade during the NFL draft. These guys are A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith. This is when I would hit send on my Twitter, turn off my phone and go hide in the bathroom for a couple of minutes and then come back out and turn my phone on and get absolutely bashed. But I firmly believe that A.J. Brown really hurts Devontae Smith in terms of fantasy points, not real life. Of course, having A.J. Brown is going to help Devontae Smith. He's going to learn from A.J. Brown. He's going to have more one-on-one -on -one coverages because of A.J. Brown. But we're not looking for one-on-one -on -one coverages all the time in fantasy football. We're looking for targets. That's all I really like to look at to start my research is what receivers are getting targets. Without targets, 
receivers aren't getting the ball passed to them, right? So the more targets, the more opportunity for success. Listen, I'm certainly not an Eagles fan. I'm a New York Giants fan, and I can't stand the Eagles. But I do like A.J. Brown. And if I am an Eagles fan, I am very happy with this move. A.J. Brown is an uh, elite receiver. There's no question about it. He brings the Eagles tremendous upside on offense. But again, in terms of fantasy, A.J. Brown hurts Devontae Smith's upside. Not only are there two really good mouths to feed in in Philly, there are three really good players that Jalen Hurts is going to need to feed in order for these players to reach their current ADPs, average draft positions. One, A.J. Brown. Two, Devontae Smith. And three, Dallas Goddard. Dallas Goddard had 76 targets last year while playing second fiddle for six games. Zach Ertz was on Philly for six games, and Goddard played second fiddle behind him for six games and still got 76 targets. That just to me shows that Jalen Hurts likes to throw to the tight end, but not only that, he trusts Dallas Goddard. So I don't think his targets go down. I'm actually very high on Dallas Goddard this year in tight end position. For sure. I want him on my team, actually. So if anybody that are in my leagues or league that I play in is listening, I'm getting Dallas Goddard. But A.J. Brown is an elite wide receiver who's going to demand and get at least 130, 140 targets at least next year. So where does that leave Devontae Smith? I currently have Devontae Smith sitting around wide receiver 35 this year in PPR. That is obviously not bad at all. That's wide receiver two slash wide receiver three territory. But many people have him higher than that, and I'm not sure why. The addition of A.J. Brown is going to kill his target share because the Eagles need and want to run the ball. The Eagles were one of the heaviest run offenses in the league last year. And that's by design. So the potential that all three of these guys, or sorry, two of these guys, A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith being top 10 at PPR wide receiver, is not possible. I think both of them breaking top 20 is going to be pretty tough. But I do think Brown gets there because Hurts and Brown seem to have a really good friendly relationship, and he's going to force some balls to A.J. Brown. So I think he obviously cracks the top 20, but I don't know. You might have to check my rankings for that when they get released on sportsethos.com. Smith would have been much better off this fantasy season without A.J. Brown. And if you want to sit here and argue with me on that point, you're absolutely wrong. Think about that for a second. You're going to sit there and you're going to tell me Devontae Smith was better off in fantasy this year if A.J. Brown wasn't on that team. A.J. Brown's going to absorb targets. Yes, A.J. Brown's going to get the double teams. Devontae Smith's going to be one-on-one. But A.J. Brown is a type of receiver that wants the ball. He's going to complain if he's not getting the ball. So he's going to get the ball. So not only A.J. Brown hurt Devontae Smith, the game plan, the Eagles wanting to run the ball hurts Devontae Smith. So if all those things are going to turn around and the Eagles say, you know what, we're going to change the way we play, we're going to be a more of a pass-heavy offense because we got three really good players 
to pass to, then Hertz must develop as a better passer. He must be more accurate, and he must not make as many mistakes. And if he does that, then Devontae Smith will have a better season than I'm predicting. But I am not banking on the Eagles changing their game plan and becoming more of a pass-first offense, and I am not banking on Jalen Hurts becoming a better, better passer. Do I think he has a better season this year at quarterback? Absolutely. He's got the weapons now to be a better quarterback. But that doesn't change the fact that he is, at times, extremely inaccurate. But he uses his feet, and he'll get you fantasy points, and a lot of them. So do not bank on Devontae Smith having a huge fantasy season. And that is going to put a bow on episode six. These past three episodes, guys, have been absolutely amazingly fun for me to record. And I hope it was just as fun and enjoyable for you to listen. Use all this information. Jot down some information. Remember it. Save this recording. Download this recording. Because this is all things that you're going to need to remember when you head into your fantasy football draft this summer. Remember, rate, subscribe my podcast. It's going to really help me. Keep on moving forward with these podcasts, but it will also help you and remind you to tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. If you haven't already, follow me on Twitter at JPSticko, S-T-I-C-C-O, that is, because I need to get your questions. I need to help you. I want to help you. That's what I'm here for, but I can't help unless I get questions. Help me help you. Have a wonderful Friday. Have a fantastic weekend. Stay safe and don't be a mush. JP Sticko, out.